0: We have another person here to bring into membership. I think you know who you are. Why don't you come up here real quick? Yeah, you. Well, you look, who else Who else do you think are we bringing into membership? We're, we're trying. We're going to get everyone eventually. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a journey, hasn't it? It's been a journey with you. It's been, what, it's been like a year since you started coming. we're out in the parking lot isn't that awesome and now look at it i mean i love your children your husband's a little goofy but i love him too um you got to keep him you got to keep him well dearly beloved the the privileges and blessings that we have in community together in the church of jesus christ are are sacred and precious there is in it such hallowed fellowship, care, and counsel as cannot otherwise be known apart from the family of God. There is the godly care of pastors with the teaching of the word and the inspiration of corporate worship. And there is cooperation in service according, accomplishing that which cannot otherwise be done. And so today we affirm again the doctrines and practices of the church. We believe in one God, right? Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that human beings are born in sin, that they need the work of forgiveness through Christ and the new birth by the Holy Spirit, that subsequent to this, there is a deeper work of heart cleansing or entire sanctification through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that to each of these works of grace, the Holy Spirit gives witness. We believe that our Lord will return, the dead shall be raised, and that all shall come to final judgment with its rewards and punishments. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you believe that he saves you now? If so, say, I do by faith. Desiring to unite with the church of the Nazarene, do you commit to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, as expressed by the covenant of Christian character and conduct? Do you commit to the mission of God as expressed in the doctrine, fellowship, and work of the church of the Nazarene? Will you support the teachings of the Church of Nazarene and strive, with God's help, to grow in your understanding and practice of the same in a way that enhances the witness of the Church? Will you endeavor in every way to glorify God by humble walk, godly conversation, and holy service, by devotedly giving of your resources, and by faithfully participating in the means of grace? Will you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life, abstaining from all evil, and seek earnestly? The perfect holiness of heart and life in the fear of the lord if so say i will i welcome you into the church of nazarene and the fellowship of this congregation with its benefits and responsibilities may the great head of the church bless and keep you and enable you to be faithful in all good works that your life and witness may be effective in care for the poor and oppressed and in leading others to christ and this is where you clap again I love that. I love all that. I love doing this stuff. I, I was also, uh, I was telling Valerie uh, that I had, well, I just got them married, and then I had a, a, a lady, I have to call her a lady because she's not a girl anymore, uh, contact me saying she wanted to get married as well. Uh, and she was one of the teens I had back when I worked at Lansing first, so I reached out to some of my youth pastor friends or my pastor friends, and I said, "Is this a milestone in ministry, or does this mean I'm just getting old?" And they said, "Yes." So that's a great encouragement, and, and otherwise. But uh, luckily, luckily, she was already in high school when I was her youth pastor, so it doesn't mean I'm that old, at least not yet. So Well, as today, I I already talked about the fact that we're talking about interruptions. We're talking about how the Spirit interrupts us. Go ahead, turn there. Now, the the problem is, is we've we've been moving around a bit. We were in Acts, we were in John, we were in 1 John, now we're back in Acts. And so we're missing a chunk of the story here, and I want us to know what's going on. But... The sole reason why we're going here is because of the fact that the Holy Spirit interrupts. And so, what we have here, all of chapter 10, if you, if you can't get your Nazarene nap in this afternoon, read Acts chapter 10 in its fullness. Many of you should be familiar with it if you've read through the book of Acts at all. It's about Peter and Cornelius. And Peter, he is staying with uh, some guys. He is hanging out with all of his Jewish buddies. When he goes up to the roof to take a nap and to get some food, because that was tradition back then, it was a lot cooler to be up on the top of your roof than it was to be inside, because they didn't have A.C. back in the day. And they didn't really have lots of windows because you couldn't seal the windows. So their houses were basically enclosed box in a desert. So it was hot. So they would go up onto the roof to get cool and to sleep. He goes to sleep, and he has this dream. And in this dream... A sheet comes down from heaven, and on it is all kinds of animals, four-footed animals, clean and unclean. If you want reference of that, go back to Leviticus, and you can read about clean and unclean animals. And it had reptiles and bugs and everything on the sheet. And then a voice from heaven said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, being a very good Jew, says, no, I won't. I've never ate anything that was unclean. And it says that it happened three times. And then God said to him, do not call profane what the Lord has made clean. And then the sheet is taken up to heaven. And as soon as he wakes up, some guys come and say, hey, where's Peter? We've been sent by this guy called Cornelius to come fetch him. And Peter says, I'm, I'm here. I'll go with you. And so they head out to join Cornelius. Now, the problem is, Cornelius, he was part of the legionnaire from Italy, one of the big, bad Roman soldiers. He was a Gentile. He was not Jewish one bit. Asking Peter, a Jew, to come into his house and to preach to him about God. And so he comes, and and he's reluctant at first, but he does so. And this is where we pick up today in the middle of his preaching. So if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word today in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, it says, While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that you speak to us today. Holy Spirit, just as you did back then, I pray that you may come, interrupt us, fill us, work in us, change our hearts and our minds, convict us, Lord, and may we see your glory. We pray this all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I got a joke for y'all, okay? I'm sure, I'm sure some of you know this. This is, oh, I can already hear the, the hate from it. Knock, knock. Interrupting cow. Moo! The cow interrupts the joke. Get it? Ha <laughs> ha, yeah. It, it's, a very, it's, it's a very childish joke. Uh, If your child has not figured that out yet, it's one that they will eventually do just because it's so much fun because you get to interrupt people. How much do we love getting interrupted? It's a blast, right? (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. Who said that? You're, You're right. It's not fun being interrupted. How many times do you interrupt your mom, though? Oh, uh, yeah, that's the problem. We, we don't like being interrupted, but yet also so many times we interrupt because we feel like we have something really, really important we need to say. Those of us with children, we understand this. We're still working with our children on teaching them to hear before they speak so that if they hear us speaking, they don't just start trying to get our attention. Some days is better than others. <laughs> um, interruptions are not fun. Interruptions are, are annoying at the very least because I don't know about you, but I have a train of thought that easily gets derailed. And getting interrupted can make me just totally go off where I'm thinking, I, I, what am I doing? And I'll spend the next 10 minutes trying to figure out what I was going to do because my train of thought left me. And here we have the holy spirit interrupting peter. And I love this story. As soon as we I read this in preparation for today, I thought we have to read this. We have to talk about this because not very often do you see God interrupting people, especially seeing God interrupt people who are proclaiming the good news. And yet here Peter is talking with a bunch of gentiles saying all these wonderful things about Jesus and and teaching them about what it means to follow Christ. And then the Holy Spirit just interrupts and takes over the entire time. And Peter just has to sit back and be like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. When the Spirit interrupts, it is in order to get our attention. And we better pay attention God does not interrupt just for kicks and giggles. God doesn't interrupt us like the interrupting cow just to to be an annoyance. He's not like a child who just really needs to tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you, oh, I love you. When God interrupts, he's interrupting in a way to bring your mind to something that is so critically important that he does not want you to miss it in that moment. And so we need to pay attention and this is hard for us it's hard for us to even when god interrupts because well we we've read the bible we've gone to church for so many years we we know what god expects out of us we know what god is doing so so i i get it god shh. I, I i know what you want me to do so just be quiet i'm trying to do it I'm sure that's kind of what Peter was thinking when he's beginning to do this and everyone starts speaking in tongues and he's like, wait a second, I wasn't done. I only got to like this part and I need to tell him about this part. But when the Holy Spirit interrupts, it's so that we can see what God is doing anew. Remember what the Psalm was this morning? We sing a new song to the Lord. It's all is about something new. Remember, we were talking about life in the resurrection, life after the cross and the grave. It's all about what God is doing new. Nothing that happened before is like what happened after Christ rose from the dead. All what we think has happened or could happen or what God normally does has gone out the window, and now we get to see something new and exciting And it continues to change and evolve as God works with us in this world. And so, if the Holy Spirit is interrupting Peter in this moment to teach us something, what is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us? Well, let's go right back to the text, right? Because that's the best way to figure it out. He's talking to these Gentiles, uncircumcised, they knew about God. In fact, Cornelius was a God-fearer, a person who, who tried their best to be both fully Roman and yet serve God. In that day and age, that was next to impossible. If you were not Jewish, you did not belong. In fact, Peter goes on And he has to defend himself in chapter 11. This is great stuff. Read chapter 11 as well when you're not sleeping with your nap. He goes back to Jerusalem, and all the other Jews are like, Dude, what's up with you going and eating with those Gentiles? Because that was a big no-no. Like, get you kicked out of being able to worship at the temple kind of deal. And he has to defend himself. He has to explain why he went To be with these Gentiles. Let us go back to that dream that Peter had. You shall no longer call profane what God has made clean. This is the point. We can no longer call profane what God has made clean. And what God made clean was not a whole bunch of animals laying on a sheet. That dream was a symbolic representation of God making all people acceptable to him. Making it so that you no longer had to be just an ethnic Jew in order to belong to God's kingdom. It didn't matter if you were Jewish or a Gentile, if you were Roman or if you were european or american or or black or white it doesn't matter anymore he is saying all people have now been given equal footing to belong to my kingdom because before this the only way you could belong is to be born a jew or to become apostolate a i'm still saying it wrong it's a, it's a big theological term for basically meaning that they did everything short of changing their genetic code to be Jewish, including being circumcised, forsaking all of their family, even changing their names so that they could belong to the Jewish culture. And even then, they still weren't fully accepted. They were kind of the second-tier Jews. They were half-breeds. They were the people that were like, eh, You're doing enough that we're going to let you kind of think that you're playing with God and and that you're accepted, but you're not as good as someone who was born Jewish. And here we have the Spirit busting into this place, trying to get Peter's attention, saying, Look, all people made clean. All people are acceptable. All people can reap the benefit of the resurrection today. It's no longer just for the Jews. It's for everyone. How many of us are Jewish? <laughs> I don't know about that, Catherine, but good try. Um, right? Here, here's the point. If it wasn't for this moment, none of us would be here. If it wasn't for this moment, none of us would be accepted to follow God. Because at that moment, God burst forth the gates of his kingdom and said, all people are acceptable. All people can come to me. They no longer have to just become a Jew in order to belong. They can belong being a Roman. They can belong being an American. They can belong being who they are are. Now this is hard for us to think about because now in our culture we have, especially because in America we are a melting pot. I mean, how many of us only have one identity? How many of us are solely from Great Britain? Or how many of us are solely from Germany? Or we don't have, we're, we're all kind of mutts at this point, right? Is that acceptable? We're, we're all mixed, our genetic codes have been mingled together. So it's hard for us to uh, think about this fact that we have this separation. It's hard for us to think about this fact that some people might not be as worthy as others. Especially in middle of Michigan, rural Alma, We don't have as much diversity as Grand Rapids or Detroit or Chicago or New York. And that puts us at a deficit because it makes this story kind of seem, well, duh, yeah, God loves everyone. Why wouldn't he let everyone come to know Jesus? Because at this time, only Jews were still coming to believe in Jesus. At this time, the Jews who came to believe in Jesus thought it was still only for Jews. They had not gotten it in their head yet that it was for the whole world. So what we need to do is we need to figure out who are the people that we would consider those that are not acceptable to belong here. Who are the people that if they walk through this door, we would say, "Mm, are you sure this is where you want to be? Are you sure this is where you should be right now? And think hard about this. This is your homework. Who is that person? (laughs) Who is that person? Who is that, that group of people, whether it's a race or it's someone that might be struggling with their gender identity Or it might be someone who has a different economic status than us, whether they're richer or whether they're poor. Who is it? And can we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to interrupt us to the point where we say, no, you do belong. No, you do have a place in God's kingdom. No, you can come to believe in God because God has made all people acceptable. Of course, then we see how this plays out because then as soon as they see this, Peter, he, he exclaims, can anyone withhold the water baptize, uh, to baptize these people? Can anyone stop us from bringing them into the fellowship, from letting them become a part of who we are? Can, can anyone stop us from then helping them grow in Christ? No, exactly, and he was looking for that. That was a rhetorical question that Peter, I'm sure, if at that moment some of his Jewish buddies said, uh, yeah, because they're not Jewish, he probably would have went... And slapped him upside the head. Because, hello, have we not just seen God's Holy Spirit descend upon them just as the way it did for us? And so, he brings them in. He begins to teach them. And what does he do? He stays with them several days. So not only did he break the one rule about going into their house in general associating with Gentiles, but then he stayed with them several days to teach them, to pray with them, to encourage them, to help them get on a strong path to follow God. All because the Holy Spirit interrupted them. You see, God's love is demonstrated in interruptions. Jesus interrupted The social norm when he came and preached the kingdom of God totally blew away what the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought would be the way God's kingdom was going to come. The church has disrupted the world time and time again because of the way that they interrupt what the world believes is important. The way the world believes we need to function. And we stand and say, no, this is how we're supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to live. And it all starts when God interrupts. God interrupts way at the beginning. We think of Genesis chapter 12 when Abram is called. God interrupts this man's life and says, hey, drop everything you have, leave everyone, leave your entire family and go to this place that I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but you're going to find it. These interruptions are what demonstrate the love of God the most. And so we need to not push back when we get interrupted. We need to not be frustrated when God wants to interrupt our lives. But we need to learn to embrace them. Because this is the way that God is speaking love to us. This is the way that God also enables us to love others. I know that interruptions are inconvenient. Interruptions break your your daily agenda, they break your rhythm, your routine. Interruptions might cost you money, they might cost you food, they might cost you time, they might cost you everything. But do we want to be the ones to try to tell God that His interruption isn't important? <laughs> that it doesn't matter? let alone to say that someone isn't good enough to be interrupted for? It brings us to this idea of love in a way that without it we would be, well, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be able to celebrate what we celebrate. We wouldn't be able to have the faith that we have because people would not allow God to love others. Peter speaking to people who did not belong, who did not have the right to belong. And God says... This is what I mean when I say, don't call profane what I've made clean. Notice that God doesn't say that he calls them clean. He doesn't say that they are clean, that I have made clean. God going before us, doing the work, we call that provenient grace, always going ahead of us. And all we have to do is allow for when God interrupts to embrace what that interruption is. Who that interruption is. Christ our Lord invites to his table all all who love him and who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to be God's sanctuary. Wondrous and merciful God, We thank and praise you because we did not choose you, but you chose us. You destined us to become your friends from before the foundation of the world. You showed steadfast love and faithfulness to your covenant people and remembered your promises in every generation. Greater love hath no one than you. Because in Christ, you laid down your life and turned us from servants into friends. And by your spirit, you raise us up to be your beloved companions forever. As we so gladly thank you with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending grace. Say it with me. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. God of joys and surprises, your sons, apostles, were astounded that you sent your Holy Spirit upon Gentiles and that all the earth was awakening to the praise of your name. We invite you invite us to join your company through baptism and sustain us in your fellowship through this meal of memory and hope. Send your holy spirit upon your church that it may bear the image of your crucified and resurrected son. By the power of that same spirit bless this bread And this cup, that they may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Who, at supper, with the disciples, he took the bread, and he gave few thanks. And he broke the bread, and he gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. And again, he gave you thanks and gave it to his disciples saying, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of our Christ has died. Christ has come. Christ will come again. Overwhelming God, you give your children faith that celebrates your sovereignty. Renew that faith among any who see your son's continuing crucifixion more evidently than his glorious resurrection. Restore and inspire all who, in the face of evil and suffering, feel less like conquerors and more like the conquered. Walk with those who find your commandments a burden rather than a gift. Hasten the day when all shall be drawn into the banquet of your kingdom and you fill heaven and earth with the triumphs of your grace. Ever one God, Father, Son, holy spirit now and forever amen and now with the confidence of children of god let us pray together the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And so let us come together and receive communion today. I appreciate those words, Laura. This has not been a, an easy time for any of us, obviously. It's been a, a, a year and a half filled with things that we've never thought we'd have to face in our life. be honest, I don't know what to do. The brokenness that has happened, not just within our church, but within the church as a whole, the, the, the dissension we see and, and the, the loss is one that it, it has consistently Bothered me, And I know that there's nothing short of, of God's work that will be able to heal the brokenness. There's nothing we can do, not, not in our own power, not in our own strength. Which makes it that much harder for us as as people, because it'd be a lot easier if we had a a five-point plan to, uh, to resolve things, if we had six easy steps to make everything just work better. Lord You've heard the cries both the verbal and all the silent cries that we have prayed that we are praying We are a broken church, Lord. We are messed up. We have problems very real problems. Help us, God. Have mercy on us. I pray that you help us as a body to to understand what we can do to bring healing. I pray that we might seek after it above all else, a way to love. You're so clear in your word when you say, That the love that we have for you is connected to the love that we have for others. And how we love others is a direct reflection of how much we love you. Help us, Lord, in our broken love. God, I pray for your guidance for us and help us to realize that while we still are on this world, while your kingdom has still not yet fully come, we will continue to live striving after a kingdom that brings wholeness and completeness in a world that is full of brokenness. Help us to navigate the chasm of being complete in you and being at one with our brothers and sisters with the broken reality that we live in. Lord, bring healing to us. Renew and restore us. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. let us just uh, hear the words today of this song as we reflect See you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you, you help us in this time. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to embrace the times that you want to interrupt us. And may we learn through the interruptions what it means to love you and to love others. Guide us, Father. We need you. And apart from you, there is is no hope, there is no life, there is no resurrection. There is nothing. Help us, God. For those who would like to, they they can be dismissed at this time. For those who would like to stay, to pray, feel free to stay. We will end service quite the same way today. Leave when you feel
1: like your heart is ready.